Visit Wolfgang von Sprinkletoe's Pyrotechnics for all your fireworks and other assorted fire-based entertainment devices. Choose from the world-famous Sprinkletoe's Explosive Badger, or from a wide range of rockets, blinkers, flares, mortars, bangers, squibs, comets, candles, shells, sparklers, flashes, bombs, busters, and glow sticks. I heartily recommend that you frequent this establishment, as Mr. Von Sprinkletoes owes me money, after a rather large wager involving a garble toad and one of Mrs. Cockle's left-handed knee-breeches. I'd very much like him to pay me back, but his business is not doing well after he accidentally blew up Lord Mucklejoy's privy on New Year's Eve. That stuff gets everywhere. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am your mildly hungover host, Russ, a.k.a. Morris. And with me is my sleepy yet well-travelled uh, co-presenter... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers, calling in as part of my China trip from the fantastic and most European city in the whole of China, Shanghai. Yeah, I'd just like to explain that we're uh, we're not podcasting at the usual time this week. Oh. We're, um, we're podcasting a day late for two reasons. Reason number one was you had a, a spot of weather, I believe. Yeah, it's a typhoon. It's like a, a big tablewind. It's essentially where they have an absolute massive storm comes and beats on China until people are like, oh, just, just, just stop. And I was on a train. That was bad. Very bad. Not suitable for podcasting. And I... Yes. Yeah, and I had my eighth wedding anniversary. No! So, uh, so my wife had taken the day off work, and I felt it might be a little inopportune to start recording a sort of two and a half hour podcast session halfway <laughs> through it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the, the the trick staying married. Don't do a podcast in yes. the middle of your wedding anniversary. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we're recording on Tuesday morning rather than Monday afternoon. Speak for yourself, mate. I'm recording on Tuesday I night. Don't- the mysteries of time travel yeah so um russ 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 uh it's been a long week what's caught your eye Uh, do you mind if i'm mildly indulgent on this one oh you're going to indulge yourself well if it it entertains the listeners at home then daryl may allow it so we got we got the go ahead last week from rebellion to talk about judge dread on podcasts (gasps) finally we can talk about judge dread we could talk about Judge Dredd. There's a couple of things we can't talk about, With you. Um, but we can talk about basically the products and stuff like that. So I just thought maybe I could just, like, for my um, what's caught my eye, just give a brief update of where we are. Yes, yes, by all means. Tell me more about Judge Dredd and the 2018 okay. role-playing game. Okay. I'm super well, interested. We, we have finished the core rulebook. Yes. It's a lovely hardcover book. We mm. have finished... The uh, limited edition special cover core rulebook. We have finished the Robot Wars, which is a sort of hundred plus page. Uh, yeah, it's like a, a source book stroke adventure combined into Ooh. one, basically. So that um, bit of that splat, takes the first bit of an adventure. Good times, yeah. yeah so the fir- so the first major Judge Dread story arc was the Robot Wars. Okay. So we've got that in there as an adventure, plus mm. rules for expanded rules for robot player characters, a big sort of background on the robot wars, and information on a whole bunch of other sort of early just read case files. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. And, uh, 
Yeah, and finally, we've also finished the GM screen, which is bloody gorgeous, I must say. Oh, yes, because um, obviously, do you enjoy my superior position as a person who gets like have a sneaky peek inside your house every so often? Yes, you have seen these things. Yeah. I, I, I have seen these. I've been dying to talk about them because, like I said, I really like that Judge General book. It, it could virtually be a coffee table book. It's like full of fantastic 2000 AD art uh, because obviously. With the license, you're allowed to go through the entirety of 2080's thing and just say, yeah. Well, yeah, that's one of the wonderful things about a licensed product is your art budget Mm. is much, much smaller because you get access to all of these sort of like 30 plus years of art that they've already done. Fantastic. So 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 the books, you know, they're crammed full of comic book art. They're all done in a comic book sort of style. Mm. Yes. Yes, I noticed that very much. It's lovely, lovely, lovely covers. Very high production values. Um, so I figure, I figure what we'll probably do is a, a proper episode on it sometime soon. I'm going to see if we can get maybe one or two of the other writers to come on. That'd be amazing. I'd love to and talk have a to sort it. of. I don't, I don't know how our, our setup will handle sort of three or four. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a proper episode on it. But 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 because people have been sort of writing in and asking, can we, you know, is it time yet? Is it time yet? <laughs> it is nearly time. Um, we what we can't actually tell you quite yet because we're still waiting for the go ahead on that. Mm. Um, is exactly when it will be released and how it will be released. But, I mean, we basically know that information. We just need it approved. And then we can we can, we can we can tell you exactly what's happening there. But other than that, yeah, the book is, you know, it's done. Um, it's, it's, uh, we're, ready, we're ready to go. That, like, I'm playing it on Thursday nights, in fact, in my, in my game group. I've ooh, been for a while now. Yeah. Um, so we uh, did the um, State of the Empire, which is the oh. adventure in the core rule book. Mm-hmm. And then um, we're sort of three quarters of the way through the Robot Wars now. Oh, fantastic! That sounds like it's going to yeah. be quite good fun. Um, yeah, and uh, we got someone. We got someone already working on Luna One, which is the um, second sort of major story arc. Uh-huh. Um, that's followed by the Cursed Earth. Nice. And then nice. essentially, we're going to be working our way all the way through all of sort of Dread's main sort of story arcs. In chronological order, and each one's going to be a source book stroke adventure. So, Luna One will have information on sort of the lunar colony and you know, characters for that Re- sort of environment and special Re- equipment. Rico, if I recall, uh, oh, was that's, that's, a, that was, that's a much, much smaller one. I mean, I think it's literally one comic book issue. So it's uh, not a story arc as such. So, so we we you know we'll mention that, but we won't have an entire entire book on it. Mm. With you, with you. It's quite okay. hard to, yeah, it's quite hard to spin that one out into an entire, yes, entire book. Um, oh, oh, yeah. And people have also asked about what we're doing about the other, because it's not just Judge Dredd we're doing. Oh, yeah. Sir. So, obviously, we've got the license to the entire 2000 AD catalogue. Mm. Isn't and, there uh, a so answer- Broke Trooper movie coming out sometime next year? I think, yeah, Duncan Jones, he's um, David Bowie's son, and he did um, he did Moon, and he did Warcraft, and a couple of other movies. Those he, are pretty good. Yeah. He announced that he is making a Rogue Trooper movie, yeah. Ooh. There's that Mega City TV show ah. coming uh, yeah. in a year or two as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, we shall look forward to that. Yes, uh, that sounds. Oh uh, yeah, so that's that's my little bit of self indulgence out of the way. We'll delve into that properly in an episode of its own. But what's caught your eye this week, Peter? Ah, June. 
not the month I June. Was about earlier. Yes, but June has in sand lots of. June has in the Plata Rackets, the Spice Milan. Mm. That has very much caught my eye. Yeah. There is you know, a... I, I, I remember very little about the film except Sting was in it. And Sting's pants were in it, fortunately. If they hadn't really? been in it as well, <laughs> it would have been a much, much more terrible film to watch. I personally really liked the, the film June. I felt it all hung together and made perfect sense. I realise it's a minority opinion, but that's just me. Uh, but actually, it's the book itself that is um, very exciting at the moment, uh, because they're making a June role-playing game. There's also going to be a June Are board they? game. Yes, yes, it's all... Oh, the, the whole nine yards has come out, and apparently um, blah, 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 Villeneuve, I want to say Chris Villeneuve or something like that, put my notes down somewhere, don't have them on me. But yeah, uh, but he's going to be making a uh, film, which will be uh, over... He's got probably over about six to eight hours to go try and tell the story of June, which will be interesting because it's going to be what the third what, 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 in, one, in one film, two films, two films, six, two films, six hours, six to eight hour film. That's uh, well the, ambitious. The, the original uh, David Lynch cut is was supposed to have been about eight hours long, so you know it's not not undoable. So so who's who's making this RPG then? I want to say Medifius, and you would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay it's gonna be like this is it okay yeah yeah um yeah no i thought that was quite good um and it's there's, there's a board game being made by people but i care a lot less about that i'll be honest it's like it's nice yeah. it's going to be made i'll probably play it when it comes out but yeah i mean it's like the social and political significance of june is not to be underestimated for instance mm. first first book to win a nebula as you know um, i did not know that i do now Oh, well, there you go. It was like one of the first books to win a, win a Nebula. And I learned a thing. It came out in, I want to say, 1967. Have you ever heard of a book called The Silent Spring? I've heard the words. I've not read the book. Oh, well, I have, because it's really good. Uh, thoroughly okay. recommend it. It came out, as I say, I think about 1965, 1967. lady called Rachel Carson did it. Uh, it's all about the use of DDT and how it affects bird eggs. And you're like, Peter, what does that? What, what possible relevance does that have? Because June itself, when you read it with modern eyes, you're like, well, what's what's the plot going on here? There's June. There's like giant sandworms on a the planet. There's lots of spice, which is like what people need to live. Um, obviously, the worms are related. But at that time, there was no idea that the two were related in any way. Because environmentalism wasn't really a thing. You had like the Sierra Club and there'd been moves towards environmentalism. But June was actually a fairly major thing. And Frank Herbert had been working on this idea and similar things for quite some time. So it was very much like, you know, caught the zeitgeist and really nailed it. And to be honest, like the first book, I really love. And then the subsequent ones, I'm less keen on because they sort of evolved into more of a mysticism uh, then I really found useful. But it's the first one, first one. Hard sci-fi environmentalism. Mm. Nice. Liked it. Mm. Uh, so I just I just called up um, some information on um, the RPG. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Modifius, as you said. Um, uh, let's have a look. So the last June RPG was uh, by Last Unicorn and Wizards of the Coast in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this one is slated for late 2019. So next year, yes, um, definitely worth looking forward to. It should be, it should be interesting. So, how how would you like to do the news? 
how would I like to do the new stuff? Same way we always do, Russ. Plan to take over the world. Backwards. <laughs> Backwards. Yeah. Uh, so, back. first in the news. Yes. Some more D&D races. The uh, Ravnica setting is coming soon. The Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Has more information dropped? Well, uh, every month, Wizards of the Coast does an Unearthed Arcana column, which is basically playtest material. And this month um, was uh, four new player races uh, for Ravnica. Oh, yeah. um, By James Wyatt, who's one of the authors of the Ravnica sort of setting book coming later this year. Uh Um, And yeah, so there's four races. Um, They are uh, Loxodons, Uh um, Simic Hybrids, Vidal Ken, and Viashino. Interesting. Um, uh, so, uh, loxagons appear to be humanoid elephants of some kind. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the Simic Combine, it says here, they use magic to fuse different life forms together. Uh-huh. So, they uh, magically transfer the traits of various animals into humans, elves, and Vidalken. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, Vidalken, let's have a look. The, the, the Vidalken believe that nothing is perfect and they rejoice in it. Every imperfection is a chance for improvement. Interesting. Well, and uh, well, the uh, Viashino are humanoid reptiles who are uh, fueled by an inner fire of zeal. Fueled by an inner fire of zeal, eh? Yeah. Uh, oh. Fierce warriors and passionate advocates for their guilt and causes. As opposed to all the others who are just a bit lukewarm about the whole thing. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Four, four, four new D and D races playtest version from the uh, world of Ravnica. Fascinating. Yeah, the the Loxodons are quite interesting because uh, Lox are, oh, I can't remember Loxodonta Africanus. I think that's the name for the African elephant. So, oh, is it now? Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. that's, so, that's so, okay. Okay. If memory serves, which I'm sure, having said something on the internet that's probably wrong, I'm pretty sure about the Loxodon truth, not about the rest of it. Somebody will write into correct us, and we value your input. Hmm. It says a humanoid elephants, they're often the oasis of calm in the busy streets of Ravnica. They hum or chant in their sonorous tones and Ooh. move slowly or sit in perfect stillness. I look forward to seeing this hitting the table as a role playing challenge for someone to, I guess, do something in sort of a Gregorian plain song chatting, role playing voice. That'd be interesting. Well, last last week, as I you hit recall, it with my hacks, yeah. etc. So I was going to say, last week we got you, um, we got you singing last week, didn't we? Yodeling, yodeling is what we got I was you saying, yodeling also. last week. So yeah, we, yes. I think um, I think you should give us the name of the podcast, but this time you should hum or chant it in a sonorous tone. Oh, I will give it a go. Let's see now. Uh... Welcome to Morris's an official tabletop RPG talk. That the is very fantastic. best on the very best podcast talking about all sorts of RPG in an unofficial fashion. <laughs> How's that? Was that was that what oh, you're after? <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. I think our work it was done. <laughs> okay, we're done. All right. That was so good. <laughs> Right, oh, some more news. <laughs> oh, go on then. If we must, if we must. Right. Uh, do you remember uh, the Ennies? The Ennies, the Ennies. Um, 
big TV show, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> sort of, oh, sorry, the Ennies. I think something completely different. Uh, yes, yes, I am aware. I am aware of the Ennies. Uh, it was very exciting. What happened? Yeah. So one of the big winners was Harlem Unbound, if you recall. Yeah. It was yeah. also um, nominated for a Diana Jones Award as well. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, it, Chris Spivey, I think, uh, is very happy. Yeah. Interestingly, it is already scheduled for a second edition. A second edition? A second what? edition. Chaosium have stated they'll be publishing this new edition and it's going to feature additional scenarios, maps and new art. So I don't know if that's a completely new edition or whether it's just kind of an updated um, version of the first one, a sort of updated and expanding expanded printing of the, the original rules but it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there interesting because uh isn't it darker hue publishing that did the uh original sort of jazz yeah so it looks like it looks oh. like chris bivy's been talking to chaosium and um, also because Ooh. he's going to be he's developing for chaosium he's developing a science fiction role-playing game as yet unnamed i'm listening <laughs> well that's that's it that's all we know so oh, far okay. I'm afraid. Oh. There's, not, there's nothing else i can tell you but um, yeah oh. So an unnamed science fiction role-playing game for Chaosium, presumably due out next year sometime. I'm sure we'll hear more about that sometime soon. Interesting. Let's see what else is there in the news. Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars RPG delving into the Clone Wars. Oh, uh, the Separatists or something like that? That one. Yeah, Rise Rise of the Separatists. So uh, this book is a uh, 144-page source book for uh, Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars RPG. Basically, new character options, equipment, vehicles, and stuff for the Clone Wars era. Mm-hmm. Using the uh, Genesis system, I must say it's most noticeable for having a chap that looks very much like Ewan McGregor on the front of it, reprising his role as Obi-Wan. Uh, and- yeah, well, they got, they got, they got, they released the stats for um, a younger General Obi-Wan and also um, Count Dooku. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the Genesis system that well or the Star Wars system mm. that well, so I couldn't, you know, tell you necessarily what all these mean. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it looks like like the stats are vaguely similar, just uh, the sort of they're broadly similar, Count mm. Dooku's and Obi Wan's, but their skills are different. Like uh, mm. Count Dooku's got sort of um, deception and stuff like that mm. in there, whereas General Obi Wan Kenobi is not known for his deception skills. He's more known for hacking dudes in half. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like pretty much <laughs> taking taking the higher ground. <laughs> who, who, whoever knew that a Jedi's fatal weakness, a Jedi's kryptonite, is a mild slope? <laughs> but you want to watch out for those mild slopes. There's many a time I've been playing Shogun Total War. I've marched my little dudes up to a hill and said, "Come at me, bro," and seen off big piles of horsemen. Said, "Yeah, well, what do you expect? I had the higher ground." <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so that's uh, the Star Wars RPG in the news. What else have we got? Oh, Gail Gygax is being sued. I did see that, but I wasn't sure that we could should really comment on that. Um, but like, I did you you obviously you've read her um, Facebook rant that she posted. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's um, well. I I obviously I don't know anything about it beyond what I've read online, but that that is certainly something. So well, it was it was back in June. It came out that she was being sued, and I'm not like 100 percent clear on what the actual dispute is. But basically, so um, uh, was a movie that, producer, yeah, yeah, Tom, a Tom movie, movie producer called Tom DeSanto, and yeah, uh, mm. he produced um, X Men and Transformers and stuff like that. Mm. Um, uh, says that um, they formed a partnership to exploit um, the brand being 
not the D and D brand, but sort of the Gygax brand. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then she apparently tried to negotiate a video uh, game deal without him, and uh, he's suing her for uh, thirty million dollars over it. Wow. Okay. Um. So they can't actually do a game about Dungeons and Dragons, though, can they? No. Wizards of the Coast owns Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So. Well, as you, as you know, Gary Guy got died. What was it? Ten years ago, roughly now. Oh, something like yeah. Basically, he left his estate to um, his widow Gail. Yeah, yeah. Um, there have been some disputes over the years between Gail and Gary's children, who aren't her children. He's their, she's their stepmother. Right. Um, yeah. Over the, over the guy Gax name, which she's which she's kind of trademarked and that claims the sort of guy Gax legacy as having been left to her. Are they? Oh. I don't know if you recall a few years ago, um, Luke and Ernie Gygax uh, tried to launch Gygax magazine, which oh. was a sort of print magazine, sort of yeah. modelled on sort of early Dragon kind of Dragon magazine kind of stuff. Yeah, but that yeah. went on for a few months before um, Gail Gygax kind of put a stop to it. And there's, I believe, some you know some fallout and some dispute over that. Yeah, wow. So it's yeah, it's not you know, it's um, it's it's not it's not a happy situation. I feel bad for everyone involved because you know, mm. I don't think anyone's anyone's happy. But um, mm. yeah. So this isn't the first time Gail Gygax and the sort of Gygax legacy have been you know embroiled in legal disputes yeah. over over the last over the last few years. Um. So yeah. So she posted this big rant on um. You say rant? It's yeah. It's not super coherent, is it? This sort of essay on Twitter on uh, on Facebook. I wouldn't say rant, but but she's got some very strong views and is expressing them. Certainly, some of these things like a trip wires on her back step. Um, yeah, all, all quite all, all quite worrisome, and um, without actually like. Well, I don't want to sit here and read out the rant. It's no, no, but it's, it's you know so. Um, she says it. She says in it that Luke and Ernie sued her along with mm. Margaret Weiss. Yeah, yeah. But, um, um, but the Margaret the Weiss, Mar- yeah, Margaret Weiss has come back and said, "I don't know what you're talking about. I've certainly never sued Gail Gygax. Luke and Ernie did not sue her. She sued them, right? Yeah, over the, over Gygax magazine and put a stop to it. So you know, I'm not. You know, I, I don't know how how to read into all this because she's got some like some basic facts reversed there. Mm-hmm. That she was personally involved in, so I don't quite know how you how you sort of decipher this. I just think it's you know it's sad that it's all going on. Yeah, so I absolutely. Mean, well, I hope it can all be resolved amicably. May well be a misunderstanding, and these things can be sorted out. Got one more bit for the news, actually. Yeah, so Wiz- Wizards of the Coast have released another of their Plane Shift setting books. So what these are, they're sort of PDF D and D settings. Based on mm. Magic: The Gathering settings, yes. Um, usually written by James Wyatt, who used to work on D and D, now works over at Magic: The Gathering, and is one of the authors of the upcoming Ravnica book. Yes. Um, so there's been a, there's been a whole load of these over the mm-hmm. last sort of like two or three years. Every few months they drop one, and they'll be sort of like a PDF format over on Drive Through RPG. So this one's um, Dominaria, Dominaria. Oh yes, Dominaria. Which, very exciting. Which is apparently a uh, an enormous plane separated by vast oceans. Mm. Having uh, some extra rules for maritime D and Ding is going to be very popular. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not super familiar. Well, I say I'm not super familiar. I'm not at all familiar with Magic the Gathering, so I couldn't really tell you any. I couldn't tell you anything about Dominaria. Dominaria. 
it says here uh, a setting of high fantasy with information on some of the most iconic locations and peoples like Benalia, Benalia, Keld, Vodalia, Vodalia, I don't know, and Lano War. I don't know if they're right. people or places, but <laughs> I think Lano War is like a bunch of people. They're a set of elves, as I recall. Oh, right, okay. That, I, I don't, I never read any of the books. I just played a bit of magic, so yeah. That's what I got. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Anyway, you know, it's news. So there it is. That is out over on Drive RPG. You can get the link in the show notes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I'm sure people will be delighted to pick that up and play with it. And if you've got any experience with any of the Magic the Gathering role-playing settings, please do write into us and let us know what you think. Listeners. Excellent news, we have has another world-class, world-first exclusive on Morris's unofficial RPG tabletop talk. Got the renowned traveller and explorer, Professor Victor von Wolfhausen-Smythe, here today to talk to us exclusively about his new book about brass strippings. Hello! Professor, hello, how are you? I am very well, thank you. How are you, young man? I'm extraordinarily delighted to see you, as always. Professor, you were going to tell us about your uh, new book that's come out. Oh, yes! Yeah, um, all about brass rubbings, I hear. Yes, brass rubbings! You know, I took my first brass rubbing when I was uh, travelling through the lands of Egypt. Through Egypt? Yes. Do you know, I was the first to discover Cleopatra's tomb. It is top secret. Nobody knows of it yet. However, I did take some brass rubbings of some of the writings and hieroglyphics I saw there. Really? Oh, um, are those featured in your book? Uh, No, it is is top secret, as I said. But I can can talk about it here on your uh, podcast. Uh, Well, I I think that might class as telling some people we've got... Many listeners, many listeners, top people. Yes. Listen to Are there as <laughs> many listeners as when I performed my first rock concert? I don't know. When when did you perform your first rock concert? And oh, allow me to tell you, it was many years ago, back in the nineteen seventies. I performed at Glastonbury in front of at least one hundred thousand. Adoring fans. I performed my greatest hits, you know. Uh, that's fascinating, but I'm not really getting the information that we need to tell our listeners about the fascinating stories you have on brass rubbing. Uh, uh, brass rubbings, yes. As you were saying, brass rubbings, yes. Um, so uh, I, I, I took other brass rubbings too. I have explored many, many ancient temples. Have I told you about the time I explored the ancient Aztec temples? I don't think you have. No, I discovered some wonderful buried treasures. Mm-hmm. Yes, and some strange alien sculptures. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading this book. It sounds like a real cracker. I believe they're going to make a major motion picture. Really? Yes. Um, not involving any crystal schools, I hope. How did you know? Just one of those things. Um... So you're going to make a major motion. going to make a major motion picture about your adventures involving Aztec, South American deities, and large crystal skulls. Yes, yes. 
Um, they've, they, they've based they've based a, a major Hollywood character after me, you know. Oh, really? You know the chap with the hat and the whip. Uh, Superman, right? Oh, I'm at a loss to remember the fictional name they gave him. Ah. It was about my earlier years, my younger years, back when I was, you know, fighting the Nazis. Always a worthy endeavour. You should always make sure to punch them. That's what they deserve. Of course, absolutely. I punched many a Nazi. Do you have any tips about the best way to do that in your book on brass rubbing? Well, the book on brass rubbing probably focuses more on, as you you might guess, brass rubbings. But I must tell you about the time that I punched Hitler. Uh, Did you use brass knuckles? I do not need brass knuckles. I'm an accomplished bare-knuckle boxer, as you know. That's very true. But I think we're really getting off the subject. I'm just seeing notes from our producer, Daryl, that we are running out of the time at this at this point. So thanks so much for your time today, Professor Victor von Wolfhausen Smythe. Well, I hope my insights into brass rubbings were useful, young man. As always, it's been a pleasure. Shall we do the competition? Yes, let's do the competition. What entries do we have? Well, so the uh, podcast competition last week was to write a limerick. A limerick, yes. Uh, so last week's um, podcast competition was uh, to write a limerick, if you recall. Yes, about Professor Victor von Wolfhausen Smythe. Yeah. Um, so we've got we've got some entries. So what I thought I might do is, um, if I read the entries to you, and yes. maybe you could you could choose your favourite as the winner. I think that's a plan with no drawbacks whatsoever. Okay, then. So the, the uh, prize for this one was a copy of um, Adventures in Middle-Earth, which is the uh, D&D 5th edition um, version of um, the One Rings. The One Ring, in fact, not the One Rings. The One Ring. The One Ring. There is only <laughs> <Yes>. one. <laughs> there is only one ring. To rule the ball um, and in the darkness bind them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so our first entry, then, is yes. from Carl White. Carl, and his limerick, his limerick yes. goes as follows. An yes. explorer named Victor von Smythe stole oh. some gems from the Duchess of Hythe. He said of his crime, I remember the time, so she cut off his stones with a scythe. I like it. Nice. Okay. Number two? Yes, number two. Thanks, Carl. Number, Love- number two is from our friend Tyler McConnell. Tyler! Oh, thank you. You're such a such a champion and a stalwart listener to the show. We really appreciate your loyalty. Uh, his limerick is as follows. Whose smile makes the tyrant Tiamat flee? Friend to queens, bards, wizards and me. Oh my Ogma, you're dumb. There can be only one. Victor von Wolfhausen Smythe, MD. Possibly going from limerick to doggerel, but uh, let's not be too prescriptive about this and roll with it. Fantastic. I thought that was amazing. I loved that. Um, Brilliant work. And so well referenced as well. Mike Olsen has the next entry. Mike, thanks for listening. Victor von Wolfhausen Smythe was a man so incredibly lithe that when death first came for him and showed Vic his claim for him, the doctor dunked, ducked under his scythe. That's a good one, isn't it? I like that, that one. That 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 is actually quite solid limerick there. I like that. I That's like good. that one. Yeah. And our final one comes from Mark Rosenthal. I think we agreed. Or was it Rosenthal last week? It Rosenthal, was Thor, wasn't it? Rosenthal. Rosenthal. Who can say? Possibly Mark when he said 
It was Rosenthal. But don't let me stop you from pronouncing his name any way you want. <laughs> uh, so his entry well, I'm, is... I'm so sorry, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for listening. Yes, anyway, what's, the, what's his entry? Dr. Victor von W.S. found himself in a magical mess. To Elminster he taught a few spells that he thought couldn't possibly cause such distress. Mm, nice, nice. Ooh, there you go, that's, that's our four entries. That which one do which all, one do you like? All strong contenders. Let's go with number four, because I like the use of Professor von WS. Okay, so uh, Mark Rosenthal, you have won this week's competition, and I will be sending your copy of Adventure in Middle Earth straight out to you. Hello! Well done, Mark. I will also announce exclusively here on this podcast that all of those limericks are canon. It's true. They all happened. Yep. So, topic of the week. So, our topic of the week this week is a D&D pronunciation guide. Oh. <laughs> okay, yay! Oh, yay! D&D pronunciation guide. What? I, I hadn't hoped you totally forgot about that. What fun. That's what I said. Absolutely. Well, I'd oh, like to say... Fun. I'd like to say before we do this, because I know some oh, people can... Oh, for fun's sake. Some people can get a bit het up about this sort of stuff. About the correct pronunciation of, say, their names. Well, that too, but... Um, and D&D names, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some people may disagree. That's fine. Some people may get on their high horse about how, you know, language is descriptive, not prescriptive. That's fine. Whatever. Um, I agree. Um, however, I am, you know, we're going to have a look at how some of these words, you know, traditionally said. If you want to say them a different way, that's fine. You don't have to write in and tell us. You know, we, under- we understand that people pronounce things in different ways. We understand that language changes. We know all this. We're still going to go through some of the more traditional ways that these words tend to usually be said. Yeah, for instance, I like to use the word pronunciation and sometimes I like to say pronunciation uh, in order to emphasise that soft first sound in C. There you go then. I wrote an article on this. Uh, it's a few years ago now. It's been sitting on my website for a few years, which is very long. So I suggest you say where, see where it says the big ones. I reckon we just do those ones. So we should go through the big ones. Like, okay. So yes, you wrote this article some time ago, but it's still relevant today because people are still going around talking about their rouges and it's just not, <laughs> it's rogue. It's rogue. Well, it's rouges, rouges is a really common um, misspelling of rogue, isn't it, online? Yes, it is. Uh, and unless, But then again, Robin Hood did have Will Scarlet as part of his band. And if that wasn't a rouge rogue, then I don't know what would I be. I guess he must have been, yeah. Okay, so the first one, the first, um, the first pronunciation is one that is, I think, is very, very, very common, and that is coup de grace. Coup de grace. Or coup de grace. So this is coup de grace. Coup, yeah. Yes. So you'll hear people telling you it's coup de gras because they've heard of like Mardi me. Gras and um, assume it's pronounced the same thing. Mardi Gras, however, is spelled G R A S, and um, yes. that uh, means fat. Fat Tuesday. Fat, fat, fat Tuesday. Tuesday could it, Mardi mm. Gras. Uh, yeah. Grass is G-R-A-C-E, which is a French word meaning meaning mercy. So you don't want to yeah. say uh, blow of fat. You want to say blow of mercy. It's pronounced coup de grasse, not coup de gras. And coup de grasse. Okay. Mm. Très bien. 
Right, let's move let's move swiftly on then. So I talk about uh melee, uh which is a way to be in combat with someone, although I see here that it is more correctly pronounced melee. Yes. Um it's a French word, um basically refers to sort of disorganized close combat. Interesting. Uh other roots from the old French melee would include the English word medley. But don't call it melee. Melee. Uh or melee. Melee. No. Then that, or they melee. make sound all melee mouthed. Yeah, it's melee, melee or, or melee. It is a melee. Oh, you could just go. You're a bit of a fracker. <laughs> um, should I do the I next one? Next one's an easy one. Um, the next one yes. is um, I haven't heard this often, but sometimes um, the word paladin I've heard pronounced oh. as paladin. <laughs> with, the, yeah, with, with Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it doesn't rhyme with Aladdin. It's Paladin. The emphasis is on the first symbol. Interesting stuff. Then we have Sigil. It is, in fact, Sigil. No. Or no. It's I would si- have said Sigil, to be it fair. It is not Sigil. It is spelt the same as the word Sigil, which means symbol, as you know. Yes. But author David Zeb Cook, who uh, initially came up with, with the name, um, says, basically, he originally mispronounced the word sigil as sigil. And as a sort of oh. little in-joke at his expense, the the Plainscape City, instead of being called sigil, its official name is Sigil. Sigil. Right. As a little in-joke so will... at um, Dave Cook's expense. I see, I see, yes. Uh, the next one, a blackguard. Spelt Blackguard, yes. and you may sort of you might have heard this as sort of prestige classes in sort of third edition D and D, and it comes up in various oh. kind of different ways in in various role playing games. Um, so, but it's not actually pronounced Blackguard; it's pronounced Blackguard. It's a sort of oldie kind of oldie word, real word. Well, uh, well, yeah, I imagine it was probably pronounced something like Blackguard initially, but over sufficient time, it's like kind of a linguistic messing around. So it's become blackguard. It means a thoroughly in-principled person, a scoundrel, or a foul-mouthed person. Next, oh, next is a big one. Next is a contentious one. Next is one that has formed many, many arguments over the years. Do you want to handle it? It's formed so many arguments over the years that I'm going to kick some dirt over it and move on <laughs> to talking about gesh, which okay. is an old Celtic word. Uh, I always used to say it was a gay ass or a geese because I don't know, I don't even have it written down. Not a lot of people I knew talked about Geshes, which, of course, is naturally spelt G-E-A-S-E-S. So there you go. G-E-A-S is a Gesh. The plural is Geshes. Now you know. Yeah. Whereas Wizards of the Coast and TSR, they've always gone with Gias. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's not right. It is, it, it is Gesh. And I see the next one coming up. If you so I, 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 I'm going to do the one that you didn't dare. Uh, it's not so much I didn't dare do it. It's more that I'm just so thoroughly sick of the but look if you want if you want to get involved in that that is no, I'm gonna I'm gonna solve it right now drow rhymes with cow and what else would it rhyme um, with I can tell you that because page 9 of a grand tour of the realms second edition of forgotten realms box set states dark yeah. elves also called drow brackets pronounced to rhyme with now or how okay there we go solved we can move but on how swiftly else how should you pronounce it well, some I, people I, I some people know. say dro. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose uh, there that's is thus, 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 like, thus the um, raging arguments I discussed earlier. I've always pronounced it as Gale because I don't need to have seen it written down, and I had to actually 
read the pronunciation guide before I was like, oh, this is actually a jail. I was very confused where Americans were keeping their criminals, but now I know. Yes, Gale, G-A-O-L. It's basically the British spelling of jail, which Americans know as the place where you lock your criminals, yes. Um, it's also, oh, it's, okay. so it's, it's, also it's not an old-timey D&D spelling or anything, it's just the current, it's the current spelling, that's how we spell jail. Next one up would be someone's name, mm. and how would you pronounce that? I would pronounce it correctly. Gygax. Gary Gygax. Not Gygax, not Gygax. He is Gary Gygax. And I can tell you this because I have heard him say it. <laughs> it, it seems like an alternative uh, alternative sort. There's no, there's no dispute uh, over this one. That's how you pronounce that. Next one comes up would be Gelasnus. Because mm. of a G sound to distinguish shit from, say, a graphical image format, which would be a GIF. I have heard people ah. say gelatinous. Not often. It, it's gelatinous, obviously, as in gelatinous cube. Gelatinous. Um, what can I say? English is a terrible language to spell. So the next so, one is brazier. Yeah. Um, so as it's to yeah. It sounds slightly like that. Brazier. Yeah, it sounds slightly like the TV character Frasier. There's a slight zh in there rather than rather than the, the, the strong Z sound. So brazier. Mm. Yeah, not brazier. Which is something else entirely. Yes, uh, item of apparel, perhaps. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then we go on to tiefling, which I suppose is easiest range to remember. Is it's like a thief, but with less H's, or tiefling? Well, not tiefling. That's uh, the case, maybe. Well, not 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 tiefling. Yeah, you're reading that wrong. Oh, it suppose. says not tiefling. <laughs> it does say not tiefling. Yeah, doesn't say or tiefling. Yeah. It says not tiefling. Um, yeah, tiefling indeed. Is, yeah, I, t- we're not prescriptive here, as we established <laughs> that earlier in the podcast. We're here to say, if you want to say tiefling, you can, but don't be surprised if you get funny looks. Tiefling yes. is perfectly acceptable. Oh, um, a tiefling is in fact correct, yes. Um, so that big, fiery, whip-and-sword-wielding demon is... The Borog. Not called a Borog, unless you're J.R.R. Tolkien. It is called a Baylor. It's not called a Balor. It's a Baylor. I'm pretty sure it was a Borog. Or a Borog. They pointed and said, Ah, it's our Borog. Flee, flee. Uh, any resemblance is purely coincidental, I'm sure. Oh, sorry, we're talking about D&D now, aren't we? <laughs> yes, my bad. Yeah. That's a Baylor. A Barlor. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so Baylor is correct for that one. Faerun is located on Albertaril, according to Patrick Stewart narration. Yeah, you're going to have to unpack this one. Oh, Faerun, that's the uh, Forgotten Realms continent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then what's it? No, Albertaril? Is the planet. I guess that's the world? Yes. And how do you how do you spell Albertaril? Uh, A-L-B... Either I-E or E-I-R-T-O-R-I-L. I guess that makes sense. Fair enough. Oh... Uh, are you saying ye oldie shop is just the old shop? <laughs> yeah, so this is one of my favourites. So the word ye, as in Y-E, as you hear people say, uh-huh. doesn't exist. It what? Is, when you see someone writing ye oldie shop, or saying, yes. as I said, rather, ye oldie shop, the word ye does not exist. Uh-huh. The Y in that yes. is um, literally, it is um, an old sort of letter thorn to represent the the sound. The, you say? Yeah. Or the? T-H. 
So where you, where, you, where you see why in this context, basically, um, so from the 9th to the 12th century, um, the English used the letter thorn to represent the TH sound. But as printing became more widely used, um, they started oh. using the Y key instead, which is understood to mean a thorn or the sound TH rather than the sound yeah. Y, Y. So when you see ye oldy shop, that means that's pronounced the old shop. Y-E oh, is pronounced the, the. Interesting. Yeah. And then I got that famous thing. We're asking for the Arcana check. Although hmm. I suppose you could also have an Arcana check. It depends on uh, whether the... you're British or American, that one. Well, yes. Uh, but how would you pronounce Arcane? Um, we're talking about the word spelt A-R-C-A-N-A. Yes. And so... if we're talking about the single, talking about just the adjective, then it'd be Arcane. Uh, yeah, so, so, so the British, we say Arcana, the Americans say Arcana. Mm, interesting stuff. Mm. Oh, yes, and here we go. A vast elephant-headed fish. Yes. How do you pronounce that, then? Either that or a large platinum dragon, depending on mm. whether you're talking the D&D version or the one from yep. Arabian mythology. Bahamut or Bahamat, Ooh. before the name was co-opted for D&D, was... Um, uh, a large, as you say, elephant-headed fish from Arabian mythology. Mm. Um, the original pronunciation mm. is the moot version, uh, Bahamut, although uh, the mat, Bahamat, is more common these days. With you. Oh, this but, next but the, one But has... the uh, emphasis is on the middle bit, is the important thing, is Bahamut, or Bahamat. That central syllable, has mm. it were. Fantastic. The next one has been a cause of some controversy at my role-playing game club. Because when you say the word scion, to me, I immediately think of psychic powers. Hmm. P-S-I-O-N. There are, uh, yeah, there are many words in the English language which are pronounced the same, but are different words. And this is one of them. Uh, homophone-tastic. Yeah. Uh, and instead, what we have here is not scion, but scion. S-C-I-O-N. Exactly. And what does that mean? Oh, yeah. So a scion Maybe. is the son or daughter of a notable family. Hence the role-playing game Scion by White Wolf in the good old days, which uh, was all about the sons and daughters of gods mm. rampaging through the world, uh, which is coincidentally the game that's been running at my club. Mm. So, small world. Uh, and then we've got the name of your website. Yeah. Which is, uh, it, it, it's spelt E-N-W-O-R-L-D, yes. but is, as far as I'm aware, pronounced Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news. <laughs> exactly, correct. What a massive discrepancy between the two. But the uh, E-N world part of it is E-N, as in yes. the, the letters E-N, because they are the initials of somebody. Exactly. They're the initials yes, of uh, Eric Noah. Uh, so it's E-N world, it's not N world, because Eric Noah's mm-hmm. name wasn't N. No, <laughs> indeed. Uh, so yeah, you actually say the actual letters out loud there, E-N world. Yeah. Uh, can we just do one last little section? Because I got some from um, Gary Gygax himself. Oh, go uh, on. There's only, there's only uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of them. So, But I thought I'd, I'd, okay, I'd quickly yeah, drop them in because Gary's not you know, with us anymore. But I think it'd be fun to see how he said certain words. Um, so the world of Greyhawk is set in yes. on Oif. It's spelled O-E-R-T-H. Um, Guy Gak says, say it as Oif, as if you were from Brooklyn. That's the way I pronounce it. That annoys all who take a fantasy world far too seriously. So the word of Greyhawk is pronounced oif. Uh, the wizard, the wizard Morden Kynan, 
Uh, Gygax says the character is patterned after a Finnish wizard, um, so it's actually uh, Morden Kanan. So I've always said well, Kanan, yeah, it's Kanan. Morden Kanan. I think I've been saying Morden Kanan. Okay. That's, that's how I say that word, to be honest. So, yeah. uh, other pronunciations from Gary Gygax. Gygax is how my family pronounces my name, although in the proper Swiss it was originally pronounced uh, Gegox. But uh, Gygax oh. is how the name is pronounced. Oh, Ayun is Yoon, but Yoon sounds oh, fine. Yeah. Uh, so two for um, Iaz, but Yaz is okay, he says, okay. Um, Tarask, uh, he says, um, Tarask, uh, ask to your Tarask, Tarask, yes. Um, we harmonise on Lich, Lich, many prefer Lick, but we've established that's incorrect. Lich, and Tiamat is Tiamat. Grazit is the Demon Lord. Divers is the city. I couldn't think of any other word you would pronounce that, but okay. Divers. I suppose, yeah. I, I can say. But yeah, divers. Di- divers. Uh, divers. Okay, so there's uh, near dive, near dive. I don't actually, with a punning, punning near dive. Okay, so N-I-R-D-I-V, he says sounds like near dive. Uh, right. Okay, and uh, flanace. F L A N A E double S is Flanace. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Oh, and then we've got like um, Aserak. Yeah. Aurora Borealis. Uh, Aser- Aserak. Yeah. Aurora yeah, Borealis. Yeah. Well, if you want to, if you want to hear more of those, though, there is the D and D pronunciation guide on my website. We'll put that in the show notes. And it's, I warn you, it is long. There's a lot of words. It definitely sounds fascinating. Competition time this week. So the prize this week will be a softcover copy of A Touch of Class, a book of seven new D&D 5th edition classes. That's super exciting. Including uh, The Alchemist, The Cardcaster, The Diabolist, Walker, The Morph, The Noble and The Occultist. Wow, that sounds really exciting. Since we've seen the new stuff that's coming out for Dungeons & Dragons, what we should do is we should say who's one of the main authors for the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica and a lot of the Magic the Gathering settings. Okay, fine. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's the question then. So uh, g- give us the name of um, one of the authors of... Uh, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, the one that we mentioned, mm. and who brings out um, these, who writes these uh, plane shift Magic the Gathering settings for D&D 5th edition. Also, we mentioned that earlier in the podcast. Competition entries must be in by Sunday midnight at GMT, and, and the entry correspondence address is morrispodcast at gmail.com. Morrispodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. How are you spelling, Morris? M-O-R-R-U-S should do is we should also say thank you to all our patreon subscribers hello your editor daryl here this week for our patreon sponsors over at patreon.com slash morris we have a lot more of our pronunciation guide including what to call high level undead wizards magical beasts made up of parts of other beasts the magical source of enchanted items Dritz Duordan's Panther Companion and his father, and a whole lot more. And we've also got discussions on the cycle of licensed games, calendars, meeting the Gygaxes themselves, and all the usual outtakes. To get access to all of our bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash morris. 
And thank you to all of our lovely Patreon sponsors for making the show possible. Our favorite game in all the world ever. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name and nothing else. That's the one. How can I forget such a memorable and pitchy name? Okay, let's play that then. Ah, That's a good idea. Fantastic. Okay, what so... What could possibly go wrong? So, the first... don't think we can really do this one, because the first one on the list is the Expanse role-playing game, and I know perfectly well you know exactly what that is, because we've talked about it several times in previous episodes of the podcast. So, um... Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to skip over we'll have to skip over that one. I'm afraid. Um, I'm sure everyone who listens to this knows that the Expanse role playing game is coming out. I finally succumbed and backed it. Nice. I was nice. I was making my I was making my will save sort of you know week on week, but I I just want that game, so I backed it. Yeah, absolutely. Can't help Sometimes it. Can't help try, myself. The shiny uh, thing calls you rest, and you have to buy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um. So okay, so uh, the first one then is what is. The Fantasy Trip. The Fantasy Trip. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, okay, The Fantasy Trip is a game that is all about how you took your friends on a excursion to probably some sort of road trip or something, and then you fell through a portal, and now you find yourself going through endless sequences of worlds, which are all bizarre, strange, and very exciting. Hmm. I'm going to give you minus 12 points out of 10 for that. Marvellous, marvellous. Um, is it, in fact, some sort of, like, regular book which tells you about the history of fantasy no. and d and stuff? I don't know. No. Fantasy trip. Uh, That's hard. What is that? So, um, I assume you're familiar with Steve Jackson, the American Steve Jackson, not the Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone Steve Jackson. There are different people. This is one that did Steve Jackson games, including Munchkin. Yeah, GURPS, all that stuff. So, um, the fantasy um, trip was um, his first role-playing game back in 1977. Right. Before and, uh, my time, friends. Yeah, well, um, he wrote this for a um, company by Metagaming, and it was published mm. up until sort of 1982. It's been out of print ever since. Wow. Um, so, so Steve Jackson recently got the rights back for it. 36 after, years after of being out of print. Years. Yeah. Um, and so there's a, a fantasy trip, a legacy edition Kickstarter. Mm. So it's uh, sort of it's uh, two original mini games called uh, Melee and Wizard, three role playing books um, called uh, In the Labyrinth, Advanced Melee, and Advanced Wizard combined and updated into a single 160 page book. Um, uh, yeah. Some classic dungeon crawl adventures, including Tolinkar's Lair. Um, and a couple of solo adventures called Death Test and Death Test 2, plus a GM screen, character sheets, uh, you know, other bits and pieces. Right. So there you go. It's an old-school role-playing game brought back from death 36 oh. years later. That's some powerful uh, blue necromancy going on there. Hmm. Love it. Okay. What's next? Okay, uh, this one. I think, yes, you'll prob- yeah. I think you'll probably get this one. Ah, you think too soon, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oddity High. Oh, Oddity High. Well, that's Oddity that High sounds... with an exclamation mark at the end, just to make the point. To me, it sounds like a role-playing game involving high schools, um, mm-hmm. and it's going to be superheroes or monsters, uh, and the trials and tribulations that they face coming into their powers whilst going through extended puberty. 
Pretty much. I mean, there's a couple of other sort of um, bits of information to add to that, but you pretty much nailed that. Nine out of ten, without a doubt. Um, so it's uh, powered by the apocalypse. Is the system it uses. Uh, yeah. um, it's a, a Japanese high school rather than an American one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it deals with aliens, psychics, ghosts, demons, eldritch gods, or sentient cats. Uh, so you're a student in this Japanese high school in the thick of all this kind of, you know, odd, odd stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that sounds very interesting. I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun. So this one is Cthulhu Mythos Cultist Badges. Well, I'm going to guess that some sort of badges. Yes. Potentially for your cultists around town who wishes to identify themselves to their fellow cultists, and they now have the opportunity to wear these snappy brass, maybe enameled pins that will they can wear just so other cultists can see them and say, yeah, you're in the right cult, my friend. Yeah, 20 points out of 10. Um, it's their second set of Cthulhu-inspired pin badges by Triple Ace Games. Not a lot else to say about them, really. You've nailed it. Oh, the Savage Worlds people. Nice. Triple Ace. Oh, I guess that's it for our favourite game in all the world. They also had... Uh, I guess also has your best game ever on here, but we've talked about that so much, that I don't, and I know you backed it, so there's not an awful lot trying to get you to guess yeah. that one, is there? Expanse. Best game ever. Yeah. Yeah. These, are, these, these are things that have to be back. It's kind of a great, oh. great, greatest hits, wasn't it? Does that mean, Russ, that we've reached the end of our podcast? I think we have, Peter. I think we have finally reached the end of our podcast. We'll see. See, we've been talking for over two hours now, and when Daryl turns it into something that's vaguely listened to a ball, coherent. coherent, that's a good word, um, it's going to be yeah. under an hour. That, that just, just to our listeners, that just tells you just how much. <laughs> how, how much work what goes into for me. Yeah, goes into turning oh, sort of two two and a half hours worth of speaking down into sort of like a good sort of fifty minutes to an hour's worth of coherent podcast listening. Gibbering, babble, it's all good. Yeah. So should we sign off then? Let's do that. Well, thank you everybody as always for listening. Um this is um goodbye for me, Morris, who you can find on Twitter at Morris. That's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, at Southampton Guild's Roleplayers at southampton.guild at gmail.com. Goodbye, and until next week. Bye. Listening to that drivel just made me feel nauseous. Maybe a spot of eyeball raking will make me feel a bit better. But which one shall I torture? I do enjoy Russ's screams, but Peter makes these wonderful gurgling noises when he's in pain. Decisions, decisions.